Ladies Podcast. Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. It doesn't matter if the song is told from a male, female, or non-binary specific point of view. We will look at that song and say, what a good song. When I was born, my parents called me Tracy. Joining me this week are people that their parents named them Heidi, Stefan, and Betsy. Yeah. Hello there. Hello. Hi, everybody. Oh, we do have a mill joining us. Yay! Hello, mill. (laughs) And guys, this is mill. Uh, Mill has been on a couple other times before. One of which has been has not been released yet. Yeah, I was going to say that. (laughs) I'm kind of holding on to it. I'm holding it hostage. Just like Um, you do with us every week. This week's song is "What a Good Boy." And if you haven't heard it before, here is a quick snippet. When I was born, they looked at me and said, What a good boy, what a smart boy, what a strong boy. And when you were born, they looked at you and said, What a good girl, what a smart girl, what a pretty girl. Got these chains. All right. Well, we don't have an Aaron this week, so I can't ask him what album it's on. And and I know that that Stefan knows what album this one's on. I sure do. It's uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this comes off of Silverball. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it comes off of the first, the original, and the best, Gordon. Yes, I am biased. Absolutely the best. So, guys, they have played this song 187 times live. That is not a shock. (laughs) They should. They played it (laughs) 24 times since Stevens left. Holy smokes. Okay. That's not a lot, is it? But they haven't played it since 2011. Wow. I was wondering because it... It has been a while. Maybe it's because he's a bad boy now. <laughs> um, however, Stephen has sung it 160 times, 163 times solo. Huh. Interesting. I wonder if he got the rights to that one. Well, I mean, they can. I just don't think they like to, or they don't do it much. I mean, Ed. Well, Ed's it could be. It- it's interesting when Steven does it, he doesn't capo it, but Ed does capo it at five, which changes it to fit his voice and key range better. So that could be too, like, it's a little, it's definitely different. I, I, but I was going to say, I wonder if it's in his, in something that is easy for him. He did sing it once solo when the, he did his live from home concert in 2020 during, in April during COVID. Um, it's also been sung by Rob Thomas, Ingram Hill, and Thomas Locke, and Eric Schwartz, as well as 
you were you brought one to us this week that I didn't know exists this week, Heidi. Um, the Duke's Men of Yale did it as well as during their acapella work. That's pretty cool. Uh, this song hit number 34 on the Canadian singles chart, which is pretty good considering I didn't even know it was a single. <laughs> huh. I didn't know it was a single either. How can it be a single if it's on an album? Oh, that's an amazing question. I can't answer that. Heidi, do you do you know how they how they do that? Well, they they often will release a single before the album comes out. Um how do they measure it's kind of like the equivalent of of releasing a 45 how do they measure a um how much the single is selling though if it's on an album like how do they i don't think you can i think it's they just they they would just figure out the single like if they released it on a single cd or a single remember the singles cassettes with only one like song on each oh i hated that oh my god the single um yeah so i i don't think you can because once it's on the album um but sometimes they'll release singles before the lp comes out so that i don't know how often that happens any well no it does because you can stream like the new feeling good like that's just released but it's not we don't have the album yet so they're kind of well they'll release like a a a trailer if you will for the album by giving you one song right it's just very confusing because if they release two or three singles off an album like i i would not i don't personally go out and buy singles i'll buy the whole album if i'm i think i did i i probably bought a few singles way back in the day and you know when they came when they came out but i i it's been a while (laughs) so to me that's even more impressive if they don't count any of the record sales toward that because if this album this was their uh, like fourth music video so this album was already out, had already released. To me, astounding considering the fact that they couldn't count the album sales. That means like it was number 34 on just people buying just this single. Wow. Mm. So there's a couple different versions of this song. Of course, there's the, co- the version that's on Gordon. There's also the live version that was on the 1994 single for Jane. There was another live version that they released for Rock Spectac. And then the Rock Spectac version, they later reused for disc one, all their greatest hits. Mm. Whew. Also, there is an album called Upfront Canadians Live from Mountain Stage. And it was on that as well, but it is a different recording. Huh. That's something complicated. <laughs> This song was played during the end credits of 1995 film Stonewall. It was also played during the episode called Hate Crimes on Homicide Life on the Street. And it was used in a commercial for the A&E show Intervention. That is a deep dive. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really like surprised how much this song has been used because there's so many other songs that haven't been used um, off this album. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, but this is a pretty good song, I think. 
I think I did I know agree. that one. Well, why don't we I talk about the that song? Uh, Heine, how about how about you do us a favor and you give us a breakdown? I will absolutely give you the breakdown. So, uh, What a Good Boy, one of the greatest songs of all time, uh, is obviously off the Gordon album, which we already know. It runs at about 3 minutes, 55 seconds. If you go with the original version that is on the studio <laughs> recording, um, and about 97 beats per minute in the key of G, um, the basic form is uh, a verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, verse three, which sounds more like a bridge, chorus, and then verse four, and you end on the verse, which is kind of unusual for a song, because you end on a repeat of the first verse, and then it fades out at the end, um, which I think is is pretty creative. Um, there's it's a pretty simple chord progression you it's a one five four progression except um um the c add nine which is we've talked about before uh you add the ninth of which is actually the second degree of the scale into that c chord to give it a little spice so it goes uh when which is it was just g chord to born d chord to said C at nine, and that kind of repeats throughout. So it's a one, five, four progression throughout, which is a very standard rock progression. Um, you have, even in the chorus, it sticks with that G, D, C at nine. The one really neat part is in the end of the chorus uh, with the be with me tonight, bum, 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 bum. That goes down almost chromatically where you have a G chord, then you have a G chord, but you have the F sharp in the bass, which is a half step lower than G. So you're going down what we call chromatically. So down by half steps. So G <laughs> to G with the F sharp in the bass to an E minor. So going from F sharp to E. So if you go alphabetically, G, F, E, and then landing on C. So it drops a little bit. So it goes, it's descending with the be with me tonight. I know that it isn't right. It does the same exact thing there. And then be with me tonight. I go to school. So he, he goes right. It transitions really smoothly between chorus and verse. Um, again, not that challenging of a breakdown um, because the chord structure is pretty straightforward, um, but still, brilliant uh lyrically uh as far as, and i love the fact that they end with a repeat of the first verse and just fading out without doing a repeat of the chorus or doing anything like that at the end so that's the basic breakdown of what a good boy hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Except for on the in, except for on the live versions, which have the outro. Right, right. A good boy, what a smart boy, what a strong boy. When you were born, did you and say, what a girl, what a smart girl, what a pretty girl, hey! I mean, every time they like, uh, obviously, if you look at the the live version or um, when Steven does it in in re, in difference to how Ed does it, when Ed has performed it, um, they Ed switches and uses a capo on the fifth fret, so it changes so it fits his range, his voice range better. Um, but Steven sticks to the original no capo version um, because again, Steven's got a very different voice timbre and range than Ed does. So, and of course, this was a Steven, um, Steven sung song originally. So it makes sense that Steven kind of owns the key. <laughs> now, in terms of the instruments, there's nothing special on here instrumentally. Um, you know, we have we have Andrew, Andy on the organ and piano. We have Jim on the double bass. We have Steven on guitar. We have Ed on guitar, and we have Tyler on drums. Like there's, <laughs> they're straightforward with the normal things that they would play. <coughs> I didn't notice any th- any major things, and I'm like, oh, I got to mention this about about the music. But I, did you guys have any any specific notes that you wanted to say about about the music or instrumentation? I think it's quite simple. It's got a good sound to it and it's pretty smooth, something I can understand and comprehend. Yeah, so that's, I think, one of the, the major appeals of the song is, uh, you know, like how you said, it kind of descends and it's very simple uh, to follow. I agree. <laughs> she concurs. <laughs> Not to cheat, but yeah. Because they can get pretty crazy and wild with all the stuff they add in, but this is relatively low key for them. 
Well, it's earlier on too, but still, they had some pretty crazy stuff earlier on as well. And when Kevin joined on, it was a lot crazier. So, in terms of how the album is set up, this is an interesting spot for this song. Um, and, and normally, you wouldn't hear me say, "Hey, this needs to be moved around," especially a lot on Gordon. Um, but it's it's really intriguing that you you know you had these upbeat songs like "Be My Yoko Ono," and then in comes what wrap your arms around me which is a, a ballady type song and then follows it up with what a good boy and then from mm. what a good boy we go right into king of bedside manor <laughs> did you see the uh the interview um where he was talking about playing in the uk in glasgow and the surprise that people knew this particular song and knowing like i think this is kind of the cult classic of this album in that most people know million dollars or they know um um brian wilson but this is that one track that it has just resonated, I think, with so many people. And when we break down lyrics, I think we can go there. But there's an article that um, from 2018 uh, on pancakes and whiskey, which is they did an interview with Paige. And he said, uh, basically, the last time he was there was in 2007. And here it was 2018. And he said that um, Going back to a lot of smaller venues that BNL had played in the early days, turns out there were some people who were actually there at those first shows, like in Glasgow. And I remember the first time in 92 hearing a full audience singing along to What a Good Boy and thinking these aren't just our friends and family. These aren't people we know, but yet they knew all the words to What a Good Boy. And I think that's kind of why it, it, it's that called classic from the album that people just know. And that was really interesting. I think that his epiphany that these aren't just people that have been coming to our shows. These are people that are across the world and yet they love this song. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and I could see why, especially in Glasgow, it would it would be kind of striking home because this is, a, I mean, when it comes to, for example, the Proclaimers, we know that they were very um, affected by the Proclaimers this has a very proclaimers feel for the, when they're when they do their ballads they do this really simple but powerful word type message very simple message i'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure what in and interesting like there's there's a thread on reddit too uh, that some people have used this song it's like if you had to introduce uh, bare naked ladies to somebody with one song and several people bring up this song not not Brian really? Wilson, not Million Dollars, not Too Little Too Late, not Pinch Me, but what a good boy. And I find that to be very interesting because it's not the fun, naked side of B&L. It's, it's that first, I think it's our first taste of that real introspection, that real deepness in their writing that was very different than some of the other songs on that album. Um, there were well, a few. I mean, we, ha we haven't come to wrap wrap your arms around. Yeah, that one was. That that's a tough. That that's a heavy one too. Yeah. But I still don't think right that that one this, resonates again, like these... this song. I would agree. This song, I think, resonates with a lot more people because a lot. I think. I think people in general match with what is being said in this song, and and can kind of feel that. 
So what we should probably talk what this song is about. And I will say, um, I'll say on song meanings, holy cow. I have never seen people arguing more and more insults thrown on song meanings really? than were all done on this song. There was name calling, there was insulting, there was just some completely mean and cruel things that were said about other people, like toward other people that were responding on this song. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it really riles up a lot of emotions. That's completely, I mean, like unnecessary, like that's, huh. everybody's going to have a different opinion and you don't have to agree with everybody. And it's just, you know, the song means what it means to you. Yikes, I'm on there yeah. now and holy yeah yikes yeah. go to song meeting start coming you're like the first thing is like he says it's a by your argument we could determine that it's about a man in love with a sheep because <laughs> he he asserted it was somebody asserted that it was a brother sister relationship i'm like um, i i think but then i can kind of see that too. i think it's just I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious to hear what other people's analysis is because I know what I've always thought. But well, I, I'll kind of start us um, off if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, so with a name like Tracy in the '80s, um, <laughs> it's kind of understandable why this song would speak to me. Um, I often felt like I was being put into a box because of the name I'd been given. Um, my mother often said that you know she she wanted to have girls and that she was just fi- she was fine with boys but she also named me Tracy so you know a little bit of undercurrent there um and you know we also we peg boys into a specific box and don't allow a lot of variation and you know I as people may notice, you know, I'm, I'm very nasally with my voice. Uh, I'm a bit feminine in my presentation. Um, I, I've often been mistaken for gay because of my voice and because of my mannerisms. And, and as a kid, that bothered me more so because I wasn't than because it was an insult. But even back then, it was really an insult when you're a kid and, and on the playground, that was considered an insult. Um, mm-hmm. And and. This song really resonated with me that like, hey, people are are making assumptions about who you are and and what you're like because of things that you can't control and that are given to you from the very beginning. And, you know, from the moment we're born, we're put into boxes by our names, by the expectations that parents have for us, by by their by the our parents hopes and dreams and those are our hair shirts and in the chains around our necks and we can't possibly ever meet those expectations um the same thing happens when we enter a relationship the other person has expectations about us based on their own past experiences and their own hopes and dreams of what we are and and mostly we're not going to be able to meet up with those yeah i mean some of those have come from um generations of observations about uh about people and uh roles and of course it changes with uh with societal changes as well mm-hmm. you know uh if you look back in um um back during uh elizabethan eras and stuff like that um high heels were a fashion statement you know and men wore them primarily 
women did not. So, I mean, and it's changed, you know, from men wearing them and wearing um, wigs and whatnot to, uh, to women doing that now. So, I mean, mm -hmm. things change with society. Um, ours is undergoing a change now. So, I mean, who's, it's, it's variable. I mean, if you that, go that back into dog. the 30s and 40s in America, girls wore blue, men wore pink. That was the way it was. You did not change that. And then, then you go back, you go to the 70s, and it's completely the opposite. Like, it's just, culture is completely societal and, and you know, created. And it it's fine for those who meet what is currently the norm or what society says is the norm. But for those who aren't, you start getting shoved into these other boxes that don't necessarily fit you either. Yeah, it depends on the person, I'd say. You know, I mean, so I mean, we're, we're facing today and um, the uh, great debate between what is sex and what is gender and gender is societal constructs versus uh, biological constructs and sex is more of a biology. So uh, if a male, uh, you know, uh, breeds with a woman and they produce an offspring, um, that offspring has a 50% chance of being female, 50% chance of being male. Um, well, 49, 49. Rare, rarely does, does one come out with, with um, uh, both um, parts. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm lacking words here. Um, sorry, I'm tired. Um, so, you know, and then, but I mean, that's been happening for millennia is that boys have been born and girls have been born um, and a lot of constructs have been developed from all those centuries and uh, millennia of, 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 um, of those genders um, in assuming certain roles uh, based off of their physical uh, abilities and what they were born as. Um, but today things are changing. We're, we're questioning um, what, what roles do these different sexes have within our society and how do they apply so um so what a good boy is completely different now than it was in the 80s and uh what a good girl is completely different as well this is like a complete um complete uh change of of all those things i'm sorry i'm not very <laughs> very fluent with what i'm saying right now but um I think you guys have an idea of what I'm trying to convey. I get the gist. Yeah, yeah. See, sorry, I'm still thinking about fixing my toilet. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's what I was doing before I got on the podcast, guys. Sorry. Priorities. So. No, I know you're having trouble with your connection, but I would, I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on this song. Uh, I don't know what you've already covered while I was gone. <laughs> it sounded quite similar to what I, I had on it, like um, about the expectations and stuff that you feel and how like not creating them and uh, not meeting them is what creates that, that gap where shame comes in. And um, I think that's kind of reflected in that third verse of like lying around, not, not speaking up. And that, that was what I got that feeling of shame from it. Um, mm. I mean, it, a lot of it for me comes from uh, from being trans. I mean, the obvious start of the song part, but um, lines like afraid of change, afraid of staying the same, 
and uh, I wake up wondering anything in my life is ever going to change that's very much you know that that part when you know it but you you don't know what to do you don't know whether you want to change or not um mm-hmm. I mean I, I've also felt that with um my health problems lately there's that after three years of being like so ill and health housebound practically to like the idea of going back out and having a normal life is almost scary at the same time that you want it so uh that's true yeah i don't know how much of that stuff you already covered while i was gone so <laughs> it doesn't really matter your opinions matter yeah yeah what were, you, what were your first thoughts the first time you experienced this song um i, I don't think I liked it that much the first time that I heard it because I don't tend to like this sort of slow ballad. But um, I think it was seeing a social media post where a trans person had highlighted that line about being afraid of change, afraid of staying the same. And I, I finally connected it to my life. But um, before it's always that that weird line at the end of the chorus, like, um, be with me tonight. I know it isn't right. Be with me tonight. I was always like, why do you have to shove a relationship into every single song? You know, it's just <laughs> that's always annoyed me so much about BNL songs. But um, and, and I don't know, the third verse kind of uh undermines it a bit to me when it's um I know you uh I know that you I couldn't tell I was wrong. Chicken down got the pen and the paper. Sat down and I wrote this song. I couldn't tell you were right. So instead, I looked in the mirror, I watched TV, let awake all night. Feels like strange to me that part. I can't remember the exact lyrics of it, but um, I don't know. If you're addressing your parents with the song, then it feels strange to be suddenly turn around and say to your parents, oh, you were right about me and all those expectations you had about me. I never quite understood that part of it either. So, Well, for me, what, what it kind of comes down to is that the other person, I, this is how I read it, is that the other person that's in the relationship knew that they weren't accepting themselves as who they are and that they weren't totally being free about who they were. And he can't, he's he's trying to come to the the narrator is trying to come to some some form of of homeostasis about like this and and come to some catharsis about this and he can't he can't or she can't like come to the spot about um about what what's going on for them and how they feel which is why they checked it out and they wrote down the song instead. Okay, that, that makes more sense. To me, it's just literally pure like anger and angst against your parents is this song, if that's all that it means to me. <laughs> I think the anger is more toward himself because it says, I looked in the mirror, laid awake all night, you know, watch TV, lay awake. Like if, if you're not comfortable in the body that you're in and you look in the mirror like that's not a comfortable thing. That's gotta be you're you're trying to confront yourself at that point, mm. and he still can't confront himself. So he watches TV and, and legs awake all night. Yeah, I guess for me it's always been I've been fine. It's just everyone else around me that was pushing all this stuff on me. So I've always been angry at everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Ah, mm. mm. uh, I I never really got. Too much uh, understanding from the song. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, it didn't really resonate too, too much with me. I just thought it sounded good and it uh, seemed to have a great structure to it. Um, and that's why I liked it. I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really resonate too, too much about it other than, you know, behavior, um, being a good boy, you know, do what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, if you go uh, into a store, don't touch anything, you know, keep your hands to yourself. Don't yell. Don't cry. Don't be a pain in the butt. Um, no. Does Tracy still have to tell you that every time you guys go in a store? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but usually I'm saying it to him because he keeps on grabbing my. Uh. <laughs> Only at there. concerts. <laughs> yeah. You would think that, but you know. <laughs> That second, here's the part that confuses me. That second paragraph, uh, sorry, paragraph, verse. Um, I go <laughs> to school, paragraphs. I write exams. If I pass, mm. if I fail, if I drop out, does anyone give a damn? If they do, uh, they'll soon forget because it won't take much for me to show that my life ain't over yet. The part that confuses me about this is all before this, it, it's talking about how all these people have expectations of of this person like uh, people are putting your you're putting your expectations on me and and making me have to be how you want me to be but in this paragraph he's like i don't think anyone has any expectations for me around school at all Mm. i mean i I, for me um i was always a super smart kid from a young age so there was always this massive expectation for me to do really well at school so i went i did the exams and um, it kind of felt like no matter how well I did it, at it, I never did well enough. They were always like, okay, you got an A, but next time get an A star. And it's like this feeling of like, does anyone actually care about me? You just care about how I do in these exams. Mm. And, um, you know, if I pa- pass or fail or anything like that, you just, like, it doesn't matter at the end of it. You can be a total genius drop out and then you find yourself and what you want to do in life and um that's the i'll, sh- I'll show you that my life isn't over yet part um I, th- but- I think it's a caring um it's, i think it's a twofold caring for one um i think one it's an indirect way of trying to making sure that their child or a parent's child gets good enough grades so that they can get a good job and then they know that they're going to be safe and secure in the future. Um, it's not necessarily how you feel at the moment with taking a test because classes stink and I hate them. And uh, I was never good at tests, but um, I know that tests lead to a degree. Sometimes tests lead to an advanced degree. Sometimes um, it leads to uh, opportunities that you would never otherwise have to, um, to be able to bring in a revenue that can support yourself and family and continue a family. On the other hand, it also can um, provide a sense of pride for the parents because um, like they've got a, an A student, you know, and like, look what, look, look at what we raised or look what we created is, uh, you know, something to be proud of. It, it shows that we, there's good genetics there and we have um, um, like exceptional progeny, you know, so it's. I think it's kind of a twofold thing there, my opinion. 
Stephen has said in, in, in his TED talk um, that sometimes he enters himself into the song to make it more personable, to make it more relatable. Um, and, and has, you know, showed with the chorus girl a line or two that he entered into it, even though the song wasn't written about him, he put a piece of himself into it. I almost wonder if, if Ed and Steve here are putting themselves into the song in that second verse with the, you know, does anyone, you know, does anyone give a damn if I do well in school? I'm gonna show that my life is worthwhile beyond school, you know, I'm I'm gonna show it in this other way because that's not where my talents are. That's confidence. <laughs> Wait until I get older, you might change your tune. <laughs> my wife has turned out shit. <laughs> I think I think to kind of bring in everything that was said so far, like my thoughts were sim like growing up in the seventies, where then it became girls wear pink and boys wear blue and and um, I remember having my hair cut really, really short when I was a kid, and it was probably Percy. It was probably, um, I don't know, it was the late 70s, I'm aging myself now. And I, it was really short because my, my mother had cut it way shorter than I wanted it to be. And so many people were oh you, you have a cute son and and it became this yeah boys have short hair girls have long hair and even though it, i had wanted the dorothy hamill cut if anybody recalls dorothy hamill she was an ice skater no mill uh and an ice skater that i was just enamored with because it was the 70s dorothy hamill was it and she had this horrible like it's a horrible haircut in, in retrospect but i wanted that cut but and then it got Prince cut got too little. short and i looked like a little boy and it it was it was more like I looked like Tiny Tim than I looked like Dorothy Hamill, and and we but we grow up with that. I mean, even still, like boys play with trucks and girls get dolls, and that's so not how we raised our children at all. Like, uh, you know, Lego is for everybody, um, and and it. But we're still doing that. Like, there are still pink Lego sets and boy Lego sets and we're starting to maneuver away from a lot of that now with this with with less push on gender specific things um mm -hmm. but it's still like back when this I mean we are most of us sorry Mel are about the same age as Stephen and Ed so we are in that time period of when I was born Ooh. and I love that the name is the hair shirt I wear coming from a boy you had to be good at math and science. You were expected to be, you know, in like athletics or sports or, you know, something that made you more uh, masculine, if we will. And girls, you know, you will be smart with, you know, you can be smart with the arts and writing and humanities and, but girls aren't smart with math. And, and then we start to, it's that like the idea of it being the hair shirt, which comes from, of course, Stephen's Jewish heritage and what is a hair shirt and what is it made of? And the fact that it's made yeah. with her hair. But I think it's that constant comparison of of um, men versus women. And even though this is who I was born, like this is what has been put on me as a human being. And it's like going back to what everybody said so far about societal expectations. 
And as a teacher who has been at it for 30 years, it's, we see that still. And I see so many students that are struggling with that, with, you know, who they are and what expectations are on them. And that's why we have such a high rate of anxiety and depression and identity uh, questioning. And like, because they're finally, we're finally at the stage where we're like, who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be called? What is your name? Um, the power of who we are and what we call ourselves is very important. Um, and but I like what Mill said too about the um, I wake up scared. I wake up strange. I wake up wondering if anything in my life is ever going to change. Like, will I always have to fulfill this role? And in some cultures, it is still extremely demanding. Like we look at. Uh, families in India or uh, Asian countries, and there's so much pressure on boys to be this way and girls, you won't run the company. Your brother has to run the company and you will Doctor, lawyer, be fully covered and you cannot That's speak, your but your brother can do this. And it's so, it's, it's so disheartening. Um, but I like, but your comment about, I go to school, I write exams, if I pass, if I fail, if I, I think we all go through that period of, does it matter? None of this matters. And and I've been in education for 30 years. And I'll tell you that bullshit of of the you know, you need to know algebra because you'll need it later. No, you won't <laughs> unless you're doing something that requires you to know algebra, in which case you will go into a career path where you will use your mathematical skills. But uh, you won't have a calculator in your pocket every day is what they told us in 1982. And yet uh yeah i do um i can figure out all kinds of things you need to know this later in life no you don't and i am an arts educator i teach music obviously so it's 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 these are things that allow the students to kind of figure out that yeah this might not be relevant to every but relevance is you can communicate through music you can you can connect through musical lyrics and through like, hold on. Okay, Percy, my darn Percy, my dog, Percy Granger. Right. Anyway, um, Close Percy Aldridge Granger, he's a pain in my butt, um, but he's adorable. But I think that that's, I know I'm kind of going on here, but it, it's, you're, they're right. Like if, does anybody care what's happening in high school? Everybody puts so much emphasis on school, on your, especially grades, tests, SAT, like all of those things. And in the long run, in the long run, if the world ended tomorrow, nobody would give two shits about if you passed that AP bio exam your junior year or what, like, it's so crazy the amount that we put. And to, to kind of simplify, to kind of go on, on what Heidi is saying, like, one of the, the song does it very quickly much more succinctly no i'm just teasing you heidi um and and does it and it points out the fact that we do it in the small little things i know as a parent i have caught myself on a number of occasions wanting to being careful with what words that i choose to use with my children um because of this song like this song and, and obviously the changes we as, have as a society but this song was my first introduction into into a lot of that um 
and like what a good boy what a smart boy what a strong boy the first words that we use to describe kids in in the hospital in very quickly on when when we introduce a person to our child is oh what a strong boy oh what a what a smart boy oh what a good boy oh what a pretty girl we lean on those words and we as a person who tries effortfully to not use those words it is hard and then you notice how much people really do use those words all around you all the time to describe your child to describe other people's children when you try to go and you try to compliment the kids in the hall not not the the group the the yeah, i love are, that group yeah, yeah. But these gender, <laughs> uh, but he, the gender thing still hold to now my husband cooks in our house I do the budgeting and the like, make sure all the bills are paid. He does the cooking. I, yeah, I clean. We share in a very partnership. And when we raised our kids, it always pissed him off that he would go to a restaurant and there were no, and Tracy, I'm sure you can um, identify with this as well, is there weren't baby changing stations in the men's bathrooms. Nope. And how, nope. like, that's so horrifying. Yeah, if there were, they were used for cocaine. The assumption that the wow. what? I said if there were, they were used for cocaine. Oh man! Um, but that because <laughs> we lying. don't not the, yeah. the whole idea that you conform to this 1955 mentality of you know um, dad comes home after working all day and puts the thing and the woman hands him the the glass of scotch and you sit down and dinner's ready on the table and do 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 is bananas and and hey i often think about as i obviously i i well maybe not obvious but i identify as female and i am i like being girly but i like being boy like i like being in working in the in the in the farm and i like you know just i've always hung out with men for the most part because there's no freaking drama no offense, Betsy, but girls suck. We know we suck because we are full of drama. And the guys I identified with better because like they would get pissed off at each other and they could throw jokes at each other. Nobody cared if you burped or you farted or you built. And we all know Heidi's not the most ladylike in that I do fart and I do belch. And and but you're not supposed to. Like that's not ladylike. Well, who says that it's like who says it's a it's a physical biological response and and oh we're supposed to be a certain weight and a certain height and a certain dress a certain way and you must like the etiquette classes and it's 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 frustrating because if i cut my hair short and wear a ball cap that also doesn't mean that you can put like you can tell me that i can't or that that well you must be this then if you do that no i just want to be who i want to be and i want to do what i want to do mm -hmm. but we do that without I, I, we've gone as a culture at least for up until about seven years ago we had gone as a culture into this more away from overt sexism and overtly putting people in boxes into it being an underlying covert type thing where we weren't realizing that we were mm. doing it and it was unintentional a lot of the times over the last seven years i'll say that has 
that has regressed and become less so but like i will catch myself when i talk to my my daughter wanting just to like say hey good morning beautiful but then be like no i don't want her that that's not her main identity right, right, i don't right. want that to be i don't want that volume tied up and just beauty yeah how she thinks up i mean i know she thinks that i think she's beautiful but i don't want her to think like that's her her endearing quality to me and that's the only endearing quality you you know what's also i agree with you on that tracy you know what's also interesting too is Steve as a musician as a music educator steven plays the flute and i don't know how many times i tried to start boys like they would love to play they wanted to play flute and their parents were against it it's a girl's instrument i'm like have you not heard of james galway like some of the greatest <laughs> players Burgundy. in the world are men and but it was like no flutes are for girls boys can play like saxophone or percussion or trumpet and girls don't play tuba like flute. girls and i'm like Almost i was a, a brass jazz player flute. i played euphonium and duh that was that's like a baby tuba so we do it in music so much. Uh, for years, we argued about um, female tenors uh, because in the 80s and early 90s, voice specific range issues. Um, and we had, I sang a lot of tenor lines because I was a very low alto and I could handle some of the tenor, higher tenor parts. Um, but now we're moving away from those kinds of things, especially in the music field. We've done a lot with um, with with changing our our verbiage. For example, we no longer use terms like women's choir. We use treble choir or bass choir, or we have different terminology for gender specific uh, choirs. And in, even in the chorus classroom, I used to say all the time, okay, ladies, because my sopranos and altos and men, um, and now it became tenors and basses, sopranos and altos. So I, I speak in terms of that language instead of specific but we see it in music so much especially with steven plays flute i can imagine the shit he got for that when he was younger because that's not a boy's instrument especially in the 80s i mean you wanted to be a cool uh, like you didn't play flute as a guy i mean it just wasn't a thing so even though that is complete bollocks and we have amazing uh flute players of all <laughs> But I wonder, too, if that somehow impacted him later, if it was like, well, I did choose an instrument that wasn't traditional to my to to uh, to to my gender. So uh, was Canada more progressive back in the 80s than the United States in regards to that? It was or was it quite equivalent? equivalent? Not to my knowledge. I think they're just in general a little more liberal. Yeah. No. Uh, not to my knowledge, no. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I'm thinking of um, uh, Turin uh, out in, um, in Britain. I mean, even um, his his life choices was ill-fated and had a certain point of view um, that was held by uh, the majority of people, um, especially government and law enforcement. And things have changed quite progressively since then. Um, and that was a part of the Commonwealth. So I'm wondering if, if uh, Canada, who's part of the Commonwealth, was a little bit um, more progressive than we were at that time. I don't know. I would hope most countries were. 
Well, I wouldn't yeah. take what England does for much because we're still terribly transphobic over here at the moment, and like much worse than Canada now. So I wouldn't really look at us for <laughs> much guidance. I think that's kind yeah. of spreading around the world at this point. Mm. It's it's a change, you know. Even when homosexuality was coming out of the closet, there was a, a lot of fear and um, a lot of hatred that was associated with that. And there's a greater acceptance now than there ever has been in the past. Uh, so I think that it's you just have to give it time. You know, people will adjust. That's that's how it goes. So I, there's always rough transitions. And I think that this, again, this song is on, by the way, there's a great article that um, is on uh, Fudge Buckets. I read it a couple weeks ago and uh, sugar, sugar, sugar. Hold on, give me just a second. And it's about, oh, it's on, on Medium, devinprice.medium.com. It's Trans Roots, Bare Naked Ladies Edition. And it's talks about some of the songs um, why a bunch of Canadian guys are trans icons and it starts talking about what a good boy and then it discusses some elements from I'll be that girl it um, it discusses some from alcohol because uh, the some of the the like um, please ignore no you found me on the floor trying on your camisole yes I, yeah I remember that yeah uh, <laughs> and I'll, of course I'll be that girl uh, has a lot of really uh, strong lyrics. Uh, I rem- tie my pantyhose around my neck, all the thing, right? Um, and it talks even about just feeling uh, helpless or uncomfortable in your own skin through Brian Wilson, where, you know, the I had a dream, I was 300 pounds, though I was very heavy. So it, oh, and upside down, which I like, talks about um, the the uh if i hold my tongue which we talked about just last week i'll never lose my voice uh i won't be needing a rope i'm gagged and bound and i will not turn my whole life upside down like that there's some stuff in there um too little too late um uh, and then steven's song indecision uh which also Mm. kind of alludes to things it's a really neat article i'm going to put it in the um chat. chat I want to go back to something you were mentioning before mill um with the um the relationship piece and first of all song meetings has the lyrics wrong online um so in the liner notes it gives a better idea of why steven's bringing this kind of relationship into the song during that chorus um so we got this is the name the name is the hair shirt i wear now the the hair shirt is woman from your brown hair i think that that is because in this relationship he's feeling like expectations that she has for him are are kind of boxing him in that's kind of his hair shirt that's that he's wearing at that point Hmm. i mean i guess for me like a hair shirt is like the perfect metaphor for what being misgendered or dead name feels like that kind of like all over sensation of like cringe and Hmm. itchiness and discomfort in your own skin but the the fact it's um your brown hair like i don't know if people listeners at home can't see this by a brown hair so for me it's always been 
I got my brown hair from my parents and I got all these expectations and that that gender placed on me from my parents. So to me, it's always oh. been um, this, this, um, the hair shirt that I wear is your brown hair is like, it, this is all your fault, my parents. This is all from you guys. Everything, all this weight and um, stress on me kind of feeling. So like the name came from them. And so did the brown hair, but um, I don't know if Steve having brown hair is also that at all, but. It's a good association. That's actually a really good point. Um, so then it goes on to this song is the cross that I bear. The correct line should say, bear it with me. So he's asking for the person that he's with to bear this this responsibility and this this cross um with him so it's not as heavy of a burden. Once again, going back to that that Judeo-Christian um religiosity then it switches to bear with me so goes from saying help me out with this process to saying also no like this is really hard for me so bear with me while i go through this Hmm. so again that wonderful play on words that that stephen loves to do What about this section that I couldn't tell you that I was wrong? Chicken out, grabbed a pen and paper, sat down and wrote this song. I couldn't tell you you were right. Is it that men like he always had to be right and she, but he couldn't say she was right? I like I'm still kind of stuck on that verse. Watch TV and then we go on the. I don't know. I really I giving it the I could either look at it. When I when I've tried to examine it, like I could either look at it as wow, they really went out into left field and like went into this whole other direction with this song and talked about relationships instead of talking about what the song's about, which doesn't really sound especially early BNL, early like BNL, they really kind of stuck to what they were talking about. Hmm. So if I'm like, okay, well, if they're sticking what they're talking about, it sounds to me again, like that person who's not comfortable and, and hasn't outed themselves, so to speak, like, no, 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 that's not, that's not who I am. Like, no, I'm this, I'm this person. I fit within this, this box, but his partner is saying, no, like, why do you not see like why why can't you accept who you are you are this and then i looked in the mirror it's that's an interesting line to when he said respond so instead i looked in the mirror watch tv and laid awake all night so like trying to see who i am or what she sees or what i see i don't know maybe there's some kind of connection there the line that really confuses me is when temptations call, when temptation calls, we just look away. Uh, I mean, for me, I wish that, priests that could do that. Into, uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think that links back into the whole um, afraid of change, afraid of saying the same, like the temptation of change calling. Yeah. Um, and oh. then, um, like, I remember seeing the, the social media post from a trans person where it was like, like seeing the hormones and seeing that kind of like ability to change. And then you look away from it because you're too afraid of like inviting 
a new kind of pain in if you take that path or that you just stick with the pain that you already know instead. Mm-hmm. Kind of going with the song Upside Down again, as Hedy was mentioning mm-hmm. earlier, like I'd rather keep the life I'm in now that is uncomfortable than go to this other thing that I don't know that yeah. I don't know if it will make me feel worse. Yeah, I mean, the temptation is you really, really want it, but society tells you, like, no, trans mm. people are bad, they're worse, you shouldn't want that. And I don't know, <laughs> I'm always coming at it from the trans angle, this song. No, I mean, that's that's good, because it's a different yeah. angle, and I, and I think mm. that, I mean, so Stephen has come right out and said what the song is about. Um, in the liner notes for disc one, um, all their greatest hits, under this song in there, he wrote, they write little blurbs for every song. This one he wrote, I've heard so many good interpretations of this song that I'm loath to really tell, to tell the real story. But suffice it to say, it's an idealistic 21 year old's view of gender roles. Huh. Okay. That's and then he went on for, to say how really? he, how he was, when he watched Rob Thomas play it, he, he kept saying down there going, I wish I could sing this one. <laughs> huh. That's pretty cool. It's very progressive being able to insightful yeah. be able to think about that. Well, at 21 to be to be looking at that stuff um from what I'm assuming is a a cis a cis male's point of view and to be going what that must be like and to be able to write that song from that other point of view is is pretty amazing yeah absolutely you really have to step out of yourself for that you know because it's easy to get caught in your brain but that's definitely an outside thinking um point of view Mm. and very prophetic clairvoyant yeah yeah that kind of stuff you know forward thinking um i know there are lots of adjectives i'm sorry to all the (laughs) listeners out there i just uh brain fart really trying there at least i'm coming up with other words to describe what i mean so our sorry go ahead do people have do people have any other things that they want to mention about this song i mean we've We've been pretty thorough, but Betsy's also been pretty quiet. I I did give her the wrong song to study for this week, though. So. Luckily, but she's Betsy. not vanishing off the screen. Ah. <laughs> so what are we going to rate um, this? Or Betsy, Mike do you have anything off. to add on uh, this one? Yeah. Betsy, your mic is off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. that might be part of the reason that we. She's been she's talking so this whole time. We just haven't heard. There we go. Sorry, yeah. No, the dog came in, and then the child came in. I'm like, nobody wants to hear this bullshit. So. <laughs> the child. Um, now you're really putting uh, the box. So, uh, yeah, no, this song spoke to me a lot because I have always been in a gray area. I'm kind of a weird unicorn niche of a person and I it's just always been that way I you know when I grow up I when I was younger uh both of my brother and I are gingers so you get teased for being a ginger 
but my brother was older and he was pretty buff, so I didn't get teased too much for being a ginger. So there's that subsect. Um, I never tested well. I didn't do exceptionally well in school because I overthought on exams and I could never really like pick one answer. <laughs> um, I played bass guitar for seven years and that's not a very feminine interest instrument, um, but it was fun, I liked it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've never really fit into one box and there's been times where I've, you know, my, my mom's very like Martha Stewart, like, she was always telling me to be ladylike and I never was. <laughs> I would like some feminine things, but I just, I felt like suppressed um, in, in some ways growing up um, because of um, just, yeah, what they talk about with the, with the hair shirt of you grow up and your, you know, your gender is female, but um, I didn't always, you know, do things that typical girls did. I never did my hair or my makeup, even though my mom's a hairdresser. I would never really gravitated towards that. I wore guys jeans for a while just because they're kind of comfortable and I like the button fly and the colors. I never really, I was kind of a square peg in a round hole. I just kind of did my own thing. Um, so this, this really, this song really speaks to me. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. I'm not necessarily male, female attraction. So it's, I, I've kind of like lived bits of this song and like the older I get, the more it resonates with me because I think it's total bullshit to have like this black and white um, ideology as, as Tracy knows, only the Sith deal in absolutes. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, <laughs> so I've always been a fan of like, be in the gray area. If that's what you feel you are, don't, as long as you're a good person at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. Who cares who you choose to be your partner or how well you test on a test, especially one if you're, <laughs> if it's not going to be part of your, you know, career going forward. But, um, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about it. I, I really like the song a lot. So <laughs> um, I just wanted to say about um, the name part of it. Um, I think Tracy said when I asked him that I'm the only person here that's changed my name legally at some point. So I just I don't know if you were interested to hear how that kind of I would feels love to hear this. that. Yes, I didn't want yeah. to impose yeah. and, and oh, okay. make no, you feel like okay. you had to. That's OK. I was, uh, I was just like, um, like changing my name was it, it really brought the kind of um expectations that had been carried on it into focus for me because it was a very obviously gendered name and it also had a very different feel it was quite a kind of old-fashioned name and quite a traditional name and that was I've not really grown up into a very old-fashioned and traditional person so um there were there was a lot of disconnect there that when I had that name everyone saw me as oh you're so shy you're intelligent you're so mature for your age and all these things and that wasn't really the person I felt inside and when you shed your name you can also shed all those expectations all that baggage um, it's sort of like if you move to a new city you don't have any of those um, like 
you don't have people that know you don't have an old self that you don't you can be a completely new person in a new city mm. I think some people do that when they grow up out of perhaps an environment that they're not very comfortable with so that they can get a fresh start and yep. um when you, when you go back to people that you know to tell them you're you've got a new name there's this like um resetting because it's suddenly they can no longer assume that they know who you are as a person the name is the container that they've placed everything they know about you into so they have to reevaluate you anew and hopefully end up with a much clearer picture of you at the end of it that was a very strange process I, bet. I talk with my yeah. students, Mill, about the power of a name. I teach college now, but I taught public school for a long, long, long time. And I've been, and I teach, train teachers how to be music teachers. Now that's my primary job. And I have an entire course or class that um, we devote to the power of your name and the power of what you want to be called. And the, it's the importance of knowing your students' names and finding out who they are and making sure you spell it right that you you respond to them in the right way and you call them by the name that they want to be called and because that is your number one piece to who you are and when you shed your your old name your dead name now you feel like this is who I am and that's important to do that and when I taught public school I had a student that was transitioning um from another very female name um, their freshman year and they they started transitioning their sophomore year and it was i think as a music educator we are in a much more special spot we we have a different relationship with a lot of our students because we see them every day and we work through music together and we create together and we collaborate and communicate together and so um, I was one of the first teachers that that knew and they really struggled because they had some teachers that were more traditional that refused, literally refused to I to call them by the name. And it's interesting because the name they were called would have been it, it, like it doesn't matter. Like you if you want to be called um, like if if Stefan wanted to be called, you know, buddy instead how many people do we know that go by like oh uh, richards that go by dick or margaret's that go by molly and i never understood why it was that big of a deal and along with that so many teachers that are like well i just don't have time to learn all of their names yes you do and yes you must because that's their number one way of identity like that's their ownership this is my name who am I? And our names are important. And what we want to be called mm -hmm. is important because that's mm -hmm. a major piece, especially in the classroom, to give that uh, that that identity and autonomy to the to the student. Um, mm -hmm. But like, it's, well, it's, I think they need to learn who they are on the inside more than. But you also need to spell it well. Your name's too hard to pronounce. Your name's too hard to spell. You figure that out. I'm not good with names. You need to figure it out because we get, if if you've got a kid, I, I often ask my students, well, yeah, they've been mispronouncing it since first grade. I just eventually just let it go. And it always reminds me of that commercial, which you might not get over there, Mill, but, um, or it's not a commercial. It's the um, the, the student teacher uh, 
Key and Peel, Aaron, D Nice, um, and and yeah. I and then there's a later one that they did where the substitute uh, Key and Peel or he or Key is like um, uh, D Nice, and she just goes here, Bilake here because they are just like I don't want to fight anymore so they're they're just calling me that and that's what it is and I'm like that is so not okay they need to like they need you need to correct them on that because that's what we have everybody messes up Heidi h-i-e-d-e-e-h Heather Heather I get a lot of Heathers and a Wendy I'm like do I look like a Wendy maybe I don't know um but but you don't just give up and not correct anymore. I think that's pretty deep. People have been missaying my name for most of my life. You just can't, you know. Stop talking, like, Stefan. Stefan. <laughs> yeah, people say that all the time. I know a lot of Becky, and I grew up in that era where there was that Sir Mix Lot song. I'm like, Becky, oh my God, Becky. Butt. And every time I heard Becky, I would cringe because it's just like, I don't know. It's just everything. I'm not those that type and, of that. What was personified in that music video is everything. I'm not. And Tracy, <laughs> so. I never really thought about it, but you're right because I have Tracys that are female friends, and I have Tracys that are male. Kelly was a big one when I was young because my sister was named Kelly, and we knew a lot of males that were named Kelly. And so um, the those Pat, Patrick, Pat, Patricia. I've I've often thought of changing my name. Because it doesn't, the name itself doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't really reflect who I think that I am, nor what I think people, I want people to think of when they think of me. But that being said, I would, I've never come up with a name that I'm like, that sounds more. Can we, yeah, we'll come up for you. I always wanted to be Hydrenka. Like, okay, go go ahead. Instead of Heidi. I think Adelheid sounds good. I right. <laughs> so, I mean, with my divorce, I was like, I decided to go uh, into a new job and go by a different name. So at my workplace, uh, I go by Will rather than Stefan. So Will is really? my middle name. Yes. Really? So I've, oh. I've decided to change that. I know a lot um, of people that go by their middle name of, instead yeah. of their, their mm. first name. And, it's easier, and uh, you know, I figured my first half of my life had bad juju, so why not <laughs> give the second half uh, a, a run for its money? New name, new person, new everything, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. like what Mill was saying, you know, you get a fresh start. Yeah, that's very much how I felt when but I changed the thing it. Is like, I mean, your parents have given you the name, but you can't, yeah. you can either let that name define you or, or you can know who you are, and it takes a deeper, stronger, more healthier. Uh, emotional person to be able to identify who they are and know who they are mm. and be able to live accordingly well, and know that you know that's the name I've got if you want to change it when you turn 18 or whenever go for it it's you know? such a hard it should be thing any, uh, Stephen, though, when you're a parent business. especially Tracy uh, you can attest to this especially if you teach because you go through such a litany of names when you're naming your child and you're like, okay, I can't ever have a Michael because that kid was a nightmare in my classroom. I can't ever have this kid because I'll always remember that, that kid. So you go through such a litany of names. Most people take great care in choosing the name of your, your, <laughs> your child. And but it's funny because we don't, we don't 
when we choose the name for our child, we don't go, hey, what will our child, we, we think what will our child be like, but we don't know what their our child mm-hmm. will be like. And I think it's so incredibly insensitive and stupid in our culture that we don't make a bigger thing of like, hey, you're 18. What do you want to be called? What do you feel yeah. like? What mm. what do you feel your name is? Because we pick this name randomly. Yeah, we- <clears throat> I think that'd be a good thing, Tracy. That'd be a great thing. You got it. It's legal. You have to have it. Well, you think about some names, though, that put hair shirts on our children from the time they're born. Like, I named my son Noah because it means gentle wanderer. And I loved that it was just so... It, I don't know. I love that name. Um, but you think about like Worthington Sapphire the third and or I don't even know. Um, like growing up with a name that puts so much pressure on you. You think back to like the Rockefellers or God, you know, like thinking about a name of somebody that came with a legacy or a lineage like that. And you're like, mm-hmm. like can you, <laughs> Adolf, you still can't use like it's just it's still hard to use use Adolf for a kid's name. But some names come with expectations, right? Like, do they come with expectations? Do you think? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of weird too because when you meet somebody, let's say Catherine, um, That's like my daughter's I've, named I've Catherine. A, a yeah. lot of I've, I've known a lot of Catherines in my life, and they all seem to have strangely similar strong traits, very strong. Uh, but it depends is it spelled with a k or is it spelled with a c and do they go by katie or kathy because kathy i swore i wouldn't i didn't name my daughter with a c kathy because there was a kathy i taught with and she was evil and i wanted katie to be more Catherine. i know right how like we we do that but and it's interesting because like think about the difference between like the expectations on a chastity versus a catherine Mm-hmm. versus a tracy versus a tracy <laughs> or versus a veronica or a it's a hair shirt hmm? it's a, their name is a hair shirt and then you, you add Speaking something which, like my horrified my middle name is joanne so my grandmother always called me heidi joe and the minute you put a joe or a sue after anything people think you are from northern appalachia and have <laughs> joe and then they start sounding like Hank, Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. And that's just wrong. Sorry. Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So we're not going to get another chance to ever use this moniker for our rating system. So I say, and, and you guys can veto me if you want, I say we go with how many hair I knew you were going to go with hair shirt. That was my suggestion, too. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, well, since you were like-minded, Heidi, how many hair shirts do this you is, get? This is, I mean, this is easy. It's easy. <laughs> this is five hair shirts from the get-go. I think it's one of their greatest songs ever. I think lyrically, uh, the way it's sung, just the message it sends. I've loved this song for since I heard Gordon when it came out. Like I've, this is one of those that will never leave my like who I am. Um, so it's five for me. Five hair shirts. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, Stefan. Oh, wait. He's he's muted. I'm here. I'm here. Right. I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we just soaked the dog. So hopefully the... the uh, Are you from his one? Yeah. Well, so hopefully you beat he's going to cool down a little bit. So, well, I didn't soak him. I did. Yeah. <laughs> the other uh -huh. half did. Uh, so... Uh, what are we doing? How many hair shirts Great. do you give this song? <laughs> oh, hair <laughs> shirts. Okay, yes. Um, well, this is just a great song. And um, it, it's such a unique song, too. You, when you hear the song, it's like, it just, you, you don't really hear a song like it. It's very groundbreaking, I think, for me. Um, I think it's a fantastic song. So I'm going to rank this um, 4.8 because it's easy to listen to. I don't really kind of understand too much until this podcast uh this podcast really opened up my eyes as far as names and what it means and roles and all kinds of stuff so it really helped me out uh so i'd say 4.8 hair shirts okay. for me because it's great it's a fantastic song all right all right so betsy like how many hair shirts do you give this song well i think um lyrically it's a five but from a musical standpoint, it's really good. But I, one of the things with Bare Naked Ladies that I've really come to like is when they add like a few flourishes or different instrumentation in, it, it just really ups the score for me. So um, I think that would make it a 4.75 for me. Okay. I'm not the hater. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy, you know, I, I think that Heidi is over there thinking, what a letdown. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. What a what letdown. A letdown. <laughs> what, what a dis oh, no, I can't come up with anything else. That was my attempt at musical. And yes, that's next week's song. Uh, <clears throat> what a letdown? Yes. Really? Uh, but, yeah. Mill, what would you give this song? Never heard of it. Um, I think this is a song I very much have to be in the right mood for. This is, um, for me, this is a, a kind of go-to song at times because um, I have one parent that was like very accepting when I changed my name and they were, that they kind of accepted that I did not grow up into the person they imagined I would be and they were 100% okay with that and just wanted to know who I was now and that was such a relief. But then my other parent, um, my father was not accepting and to this day still calls me by my old name. And his reaction was that um, me wanting to change my name was inconvenient and a selfish fuss over nothing because he yep. gives the impression that he thinks he knows who I am better than I do and that he does not want to let go of the person that he imagines me to be and wants me to be. And that feeling of pain when you know that 
when they when I realize that he wants that person to exist more than me and whenever I have to deal mm. with him and I have to deal with that feeling I come and listen to this song so that for me yeah the, the song is inherently tied to that that painful feeling of confronting my father and his side of the family and therefore I can't give it a perfect score because of that slightly painful aspect but I would mm. give it a 4.9 hair shirts because it helps me cope with that feeling nice Thank yeah you, when you started saying it I yeah that's the connection I made mm -hmm. too yeah so everybody has their own journey you know it's like including your father so it's like this might not be his lifetime to get it it might be a next lifetime you never know but you know it's like this is one he's got so and uh this is the choices he makes and you're making your own choices you're becoming your own person so you can't let other people's choices really dissuade you from from who you are that's kind of like why i like the idea of normalizing and making it kind of a normal thing to change your name when you're 18 when you're an adult mm. because i think that's a fantastic idea Tracy. Yes. You, you, you said that yeah. your dad said that it was a selfish thing it is and you yes. can't get Absolutely. anything more selfish than picking you. how you want people to talk about yeah, you yeah. and represent yeah. you yes your so life definition selfish and should be <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. Saying so, so that kind of saying that, like, this name okay. you gave me and called me for years actually makes me really unhappy and uncomfortable was quite a it's hard conversation to have with your parents who gave you the name yeah. more than anybody else. So you're like, ah, you yeah. tried it, but you fell I mean, short. You, you might have that one day, Tracy, but you tried I to give know. me this name before you knew who I even was. Yes, A for <laughs> I mean, effort. I don't, I still love you. It wasn't like you knew me for three four years and said this is yeah. the name that fits them you chose it before they were born usually yeah. like i mean how would you feel one day if your kids changed their names um and evil has kids i'd be okay with it because and i've thought about that because i'm like i yeah i put a ton of thought into it my wife and i talked about about uh their names a lot um there were a lot of discussions um that happened around the names and we finally came to an agreement, but just because that name sounds good to us as one that we've gotten comfortable with using doesn't mean that it's what they feel best personifies who they are. And they should have the right to say, no, this is this is how I want people to respect me and, and respond to me. And I would totally be okay with it. Um, but my rank on this song, I haven't given mine yet. Um, can I, I, I really was tempted for a five and I'm like, Oh, mm. like you said, Betsy, when you, when you put words to it, I'm like, yes, that's it. The, the music is simple and there's nothing wrong with simple music, but a more intricate melody would have bumped this up a little bit more. Um, like, or like or instrument or something yeah it, it, it's very simple and that's fine and actually on this album where it's placed it makes sense to have very simple instrumentation which is why i've never thought before like hey why doesn't this work for me because you follow this up with king of bedside mammer and you get all those weeps and boops and stuff um but 
like for me like no this is a nice slow melody that really has an amazing message uh i'm gonna give it a 4.82 4.82 who thinks of this are you kidding me that's it man you know you enough to know that he does this stuff hey we're at 265 songs at this point i gotta start differentiating (laughs) wow wow if i'm gonna start putting them in an order i have to make some small little differences between certain songs 3.1415927 no that was what tyler gave one song once Well, Mill, thank you for joining us from over the ocean. Um, I know that the the flight was long for this hour and a half discussion. Um, yeah. But I appreciate for, you for, coming. Your wings must be tired. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting the jet stream. <laughs> yeah, it was great to have you on, Mill. That was great. Yes, and all the rest of you, thank you for joining as well. Thank you. Thanks, and everybody. Thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening, everybody. Don't forget to, get to go to our podcast and uh, locate it on those locations that you can find us. And then uh, we want to thank our sponsors for today. Uh, our sponsors are, um, of course, uh, the letter A. The letter. <laughs> letter Whatever she's yes. using for your dog. You got that. There you go. It's going to be and right bear like your bear, bear apples. Bear apples, huh? No, these okay. apples yeah. was a couple of songs. That was a ways back. Oh, my bad. Sorry. That should have been our sponsor that week. Yeah. It should have been. <laughs> Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.